0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to Do Less Bad, that podcast about how companies can do less bad in order to do more good. Let's get right into it with your co-hosts, Jason and Madeline. Thank you so much, Jenny, and welcome back to another week of Do Less Bad, a new way to do more good. I'm Jason Anthoine, your Uh, co-host. During the day, I run a firm called Audacity. We help it. Uh, companies inform, involve, and inspire their employees. You can find out more at thinkaudacity.com. I'm joined, as always, by co-host Madeline Temple. Madeline, welcome.
1: Thanks, Jason. I'm the brand strategist behind Collective Identity. In my day job, I tell companies how to talk about who they are and what they do to employees, customers, investors, partners, journalists, and six-year-olds. Head to the thecollectiveidentity.com
0: to learn more. So we're really looking forward to this week's episode. We're discussing innovative ways that companies are recycling their own products, uh, reducing the impact of their own supply chain and manufacturing processes, and in some instances, actually reintroducing old products in a new, more environmentally friendly way, and a host of other related things uh, around those topics. Madeline, get us started here looking at the fashion industry.
1: What really kicked it off for me with this topic was there was an article written earlier this month about Gucci doing a tie-up with the real site the resale site Real Real. And what's happening is Gucci is now allowing some of their merchandise, for instance, stuff that they used in photo shoots that have never been sold before because it was worn for a shoot, and they're now reselling them on Real Real. And it's also giving people who customers who already own Gucci Gucci merchandise a way to resell merchandise and uh, basically get money off of it. So that got me to thinking about this whole thing. There's a whole area called re-commerce. And companies that have partnered with Real, Real include Gucci, Burberry, Stella McCartney. They've all done promos within the last, I'd say, two to three years, Gucci being the most recent one, but as a way to get customers to sell old merchandise. Uh, Make some money off it and it's their way of also helping the environment because they're not going through the processes again of making more clothes But at the same time what they've also discovered Burberry in particular It's a great way to get people to actually even buy an older customer who's already owned merchandise to buy more because they've given them For instance a discount to go to the store. They've given them an exclusive shopping experience and tea So they have brought them back into the store So I thought that was it was what kicked it off for me in fashion and then I started taking a look at what other companies are doing Mm -hmm. and well
0: let me that's fascinating to me particularly on the Gucci thing using those outfits and and fashions from photo shoots and commercials and things like that that probably adds an extra layer of cachet to them Um, hey I was able to buy this and this was used in that magazine ad right there this exact thing was in that ad that's kind of cool
1: it is cool And so I have to give them credit because it is their way of doing recycling as well. There's others like, for instance, H&M and Other Stories, which is a company that's owned by H&M, in which you can, at H&M, you can drop off clothes uh, from any brand, not just H&M, into their store and you can get a voucher to use at the store. Mm. So again, recycle, do some good. And yes, you're gonna hook because they're gonna buy more merchandise with this voucher. You you certainly hope so. Yeah, right. (laughs) You, You hope so. What I've also looked then into is this whole area around repair, reuse, and resale. And Patagonia has an area called, um, where you bring in, if it's broken, they'll fix it for you. They'll help work with you, the wear and tear. But there's a whole thing called the Worn Wear Program. So bring in your merchandise, your Patagonia clothing that's in good condition, and they'll take it and they'll resell it. And you can go onto their website, it's the worn Wear program. You can get a jacket that might cost, let's say $250, you can get it for $80. Very upfront about what they're doing, but you're getting the Patagonia credit, you're getting the Patagonia Promise at a phenomenal price. And what they do is if you bring your quality clothing to them, you can get a credit valued at up to $100 on each product, and again, use it
0: at the store. So That's fascinating to me.
1: I think so too. And there's another company called Nudie Jeans, which I've I've known about for a while. Their jeans cost about $200. Oh my goodness.
0: Uh,
1: you know, their stores are Nudie Jeans and Repair Shop because bring your jeans in and they'll repair them for free because they want you to keep them as long as possible. Yeah. Uh, again, they have a trade-in. So you can bring in a pair that's clean, trade them in and get 20% off a new pair. And what I particularly love that they've done and it's this whole area around repurposing is that they've taken out worn out clothing that can't be saved anymore. They've cut it down into strips, sewn them together, rolled it up into spools, and then they've manufactured a rug. So they took their own jeans, they made them into rugs and those rugs cost about $500. And they do limited runs, so you can go to their website. Their first run, uh, I shouldn't say first run because they've done this before. Their current run is now $500, and they limit it to a quantity of
0: $275. That is unbelievable. And people are turning in these older jeans that they can't repair, and, and Nudie is taking them and turning them into a completely different product with a completely different revenue stream.
1: Correct. Correct. And they're helping the environment too, right? Because they're not, they're not going through the whole process of making denim all over again. Right. And finally, the last one that I think is doing some really interesting stuff, Allbirds. So we've talked about them a lot. They're known for their sustainable shoes. And just last week, they launched a full more, they've done socks before, but now they have a clothing line. And there were two parts of this clothing line that I loved. One, they are using discarded crab shells as part of their material oh. and what's fascinating about crab shells is that they have inherent antimicrobial properties and what this means is you can wear the shirt longer without having to wash it because wow. it doesn't come as dirty because of these yeah. properties so they're they're, re, they're taking crab shells they're repurposing them as this product uh, ingredient so to speak mm-hmm. within the shirt But then that also has these properties to it specifically that means you wash it less, so you help the environment that way. So I thought those were some really fascinating things that were happening in retail and fashion.
0: Yeah, I like that idea. There's a a couple of um, clothing uh, online stores that I buy things from, and they use a lot of um, silver in some of their articles to help with the antimicrobial thing. That's such a hard word to say. (laughs) (laughs) I need to have it in really big letters up here and phonetically spelled out but they're using silver in that process and i'm imagining with restaurant uh being what it is and and food service there's just a ton of extra crab shells (laughs) laying around that would be considered waste and you know they'd probably find their way into the landfill somewhere and now they're being reused into this clothing line That's, that's absolutely fascinating to
1: me it is indeed
0: yeah so um i found a couple of other examples too and this these apply in the automotive industry uh, for anybody who knows me, you, you, you know that I'm a car nut. And so uh, I'm glad to be able to talk a little bit about some cars. Uh, right now uh, in the pandemic, um, used car market is going through the roof. Manufacturers continue to you know crank out new cars, but it's the used car market um, that is really uh, incredibly strong right now. It is almost impossible to find um, any kind of model you're looking for on any lot or any online lot um there's just a high demand for those right now
1: I've heard about um, that I've been reading about it myself
0: Yeah I mean it's it's just they're all selling out left and right and so it's interesting though for a number of years you know they've gotten gotten away from the used car uh type term um and started calling things, you know, certified, pre-owned, and. Um, and that's all kinds from of...
1: Lexus, ninety-three right. Lexus started doing that. I think they started this whole thing with the whole pre-owned thing and changed the way that people think about what it means to have a lemon car. And now it's pre-owned and certified.
0: That's right, and th- the beauty of that with Lexus and Mercedes-Benz and other uh, manufacturers like that is that you know if you go to them for you know a pre-owned vehicle, then they have gone through and done the inspection the same type of inspection they would do for a brand new vehicle and have brought, you know, all the systems and components and everything up to uh, current spec and quality and reliability. So um, it's fascinating to me because at first that was sort of a sideline business. And now, particularly now um, that whole used car uh, pre-owned uh, segment has become incredibly strong. Um, and then you can look at other retailers like CarMax uh, who that's all they do. And I've done several transactions with CarMax before. It can't be simpler. Drive in, they give you a price. You say yes or no. If you say yes, 10 minutes later, you're gone. They've got your car and you're out of there. If you want to buy a new one from them, great. If you don't, great. But that whole transaction takes about 15 minutes. Wow. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating. And then, of course, moving into you know hybrids and electric cars, you know all the major manufacturers are are in that space as well. Hyundai and Kia and BMW and Porsche, all of them have uh, various models uh, that are uh, either hybrid uh, or just full-on electric. Same thing with trucks. You know, Tesla uh, famously introduced their Cybertruck three or four months ago uh, with a big media splash. But then just last week, General Motors reintroduced the Hummer if you recall the Hummer from several years ago, big giant SUV with military uh, credentials and gigantic engines with gas guzzling um, uh, performance. Uh, now it's electric. Um, and it's it is back? incredibly. It's as back. As an electric it's, car. As an electric truck as of um, last week. Wow. Uh, they introduced that. Um, and then there are several others in that truck g- category. Bollinger uh, makes the S2. And Rivian makes the R1T. The other thing that's fascinating, too, is that if you're a car guy and gal like me, you really like the classic cars. And so even those classic cars now are being remade as electric models. So Rolls-Royce uh, was famous for big, giant uh, sedans in 50s and 60s. Now you can have your own Rolls-Royce taken back to the factory and totally retrofitted to be 100% electric. Same look on the outside, same appointments and high end luxury on the inside, except now it's an electric vehicle. I did not know that. It was made in the 50s or 60s, but you open the hood and it's totally, you know, 2020 in there. In fact, uh, when uh, Prince Harry and Meghan got married after their uh, wedding, they drove off uh, in a Jaguar E-Type. And everybody thought, oh, that's beautiful. It's a classic design from the 60s. That was the E-Type Zero, which is the exact same car from the 60s, but is now 100% electric. And that was the very first time anybody had seen that car, and they got such a high demand based on that. It is now being offered as a uh, normal production model. Same design from the 60s. But with the electric, uh, all the electric. Let me guess. Uh, is it
1: named like the H and M model? <laughs> oh wait, no, they couldn't do that. Not because
0: <laughs> no, the clothing's not right. think they could do that now, <laughs> especially now that they don't aren't even really part of them anymore. So, but I just love that all that is going on in that in that automotive industry because that you know that industry has a huge impact uh, globally, uh, particularly environmentally, and so there are lots of new and exciting things that they're doing in that space.
1: But I think what's easy to forget about the used car, the pre-owned, the pre-certified market is it is inherently a sustainable program because you have a car, you're not having to manufacture a new car all over again. All the materials, mm-hmm. all the water, all of the products that go into making that car aren't used again.
0: Right. But right, I think yeah. that,
1: that side of it, it gets lost, even they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's going, no, think about it. You didn't make a new car because of this.
0: As profitable as Mercedes Benz is with their new models, you know, they've got 20 something models and five variants of each. Um, the most profitable part of the Mercedes Benz business is the Classic Center. They've got one in California and one uh, in Germany. There may be a couple of more. Um, but essentially, that whole Classic Center business was set up for old Mercedes guys like me who want to take their older vehicle and completely retrofit them. Um, so that they look exactly like they looked from the day that they uh, came off the assembly line. And for some people, that's a 20-year-old car. For some people, that's a 50-year-old car. Uh, And that's no different than what you described uh, with Nudie and Patagonia and some of these other folks um, who are basically reimagining those products into a new market that right now is craving things that feel, quote, vintage, um, just because of all the things that are going on, and just the nostalgia that people have. And so I, I think it's, I think it's a fantastic complementary business.
1: I agree. With that, we're going to take a little bit of a turn and look at some of the companies that have made Barron's 100 Most Sustainable Companies list. Mm -hmm. What Barron's does is they start with the 1,000 largest publicly traded companies by market value, and then they rank them by how they perform for five key areas, shareholders, employees, customers, community, and the planet. So we're going to take a quick spin at some of the companies that have made the list, just so that we can branch out a little beyond fashion and cars. (laughs) One of the companies that made the list is Clorox. And in 2008, they started to make strides to become green. By 2020, they are number 24 on Barron's 100 Most Sustainable Companies list and number one for consumer staples within their own area. Unbelievable. It is. They have an area called good growth or a philosophy and it's growth that's profitable, sustainable and responsible. So some of the things they've done, they've lowered their operational footprints since the 2011 baseline year. That includes a 32 percent reduction in greenhouse gas emissions, a 17 percent reduction in energy use, 22 percent reduction in water consumption. 33% 33% reduction in solid waste landfill. So these are some of the things that they're doing just to become within the area of manufacturing of supply mm-hmm. chain, all these different things. As we mentioned earlier, this is some of the ways that companies can behind the scenes, make their products better, uh, kinder to the environment, kinder sure. to the world.
0: That's a great, that, that's a lot of great progress in the short amount of time to, to uh, you know, imagine the supply chain for a large manufacturer like Clorox and to be able to have those kinds of impacts on those very key numbers. That, that's, that's really impressive work.
1: Another company, now this company isn't specifically on Barron's list, but an interesting one to look at is Pepsi. So they're helping to build a more sustainable food system. And they're saying, obviously, the food system is in urgent need of transformation. That's why companies like Beyond Meat and Impossible Meat have come to, to meat that is made from plants versus mm-hmm. meat, or animals. Mm-hmm. But the global impacts of climate change, soil erosion, water scarcity and population growth, those all bring their own challenges when you're looking at the food system. So, for instance, Pepsi says that 70 percent of water use is in agriculture. of plastic packaging is recycled, only that. A third of greenhouse gas emissions originate from the food system. Mm -hmm. So they have this whole area around reducing the amount of plastic, recycling more plastic, reinventing the plastic. And one thing they did is they partnered with TerraCycle and with their Walker's division of Potato Chips, which in the UK is known as Crisps, they, in 2018, started a program, a recycling program, to encourage consumers to drop off their empty potato chip packets. And again, it didn't have to be just walkers. To any variety of public location across the country, alternatively, you could mail them in. And what TerraCycle did was then they transformed them into pellets, which were then to make, used to make items like fence posts, benches, and more. So again, taking a plastic product, recycling it into a different kind of of product and repurposing it. We're going to talk about TerraCycle itself in a little bit, but one other company that did make the Barron's list that I quickly want to give a shout out to is WW Granger. They were number one in industrials on Barron's list and number eight overall on the 2020 list. They are an industrial supplier who helps customers curb usage of water, electricity and other resources. So some of the things they do, their green products that are for sale, which they qualify for themselves as what's green, they account for now 5% of all firm sales. They themselves have moved to reduce emissions, partly by grouping orders to be sent by clients, for instance. And their own supply chain efforts uh, have been basically the equivalent reduction of 85 million metric tons of carbon dioxide emissions since 2017. So again, they are another one on the Barons List, but as we were talking about with Pepsi, as we're talking about with supply chains, and we're talking about changing the way that products are made, a lot of different companies are doing a lot of different things, and an interesting company to take a look at to do that is TerraCycle.
0: Well, I love this example of TerraCycle. Um, the company I uh, used to work for, Newell Brands, they own the Rubbermaid brand, um, those uh, plastic containers. Um, that we use uh, uh, in kitchens. And so, um, one of the things uh, that Newell is focused on uh, and has been for a while is you know, most of the products that they make uh, are of plastic. And then, if you look at where most of the waste, particularly in the ocean, comes from, it is plastic based. Um, and I know when I was there, there was a lot of discussion uh, and interest in figuring out how we could. Uh, as a company, reduce uh, the plastic waste uh, in the planet. And they too have also partnered with TerraCycle um, so that uh, you can uh, recycle your Rubbermaid containers. um, And they take those, clean them, sterilize them, melt them down, and then completely reuse them uh, in the production of new products. Sometimes it's Rubbermaid containers, sometimes it's other uh, products, both Newell Brands products, as well as uh, other uh, companies' products as well. And that's just a fantastic way, I think, to recognize that you are putting products into uh, the world that have an impact. And then as a result, you also have a responsibility to alleviate that impact. And so I think they've done a fantastic job of coming up with a great way uh, to do sort of a whole 360 approach to making this stuff and then recycling it and reusing it and then making it again and over and over and over so that it's really reducing uh, the waste in the supply chain.
1: Reminds me a little bit of a company that I worked with. So disclaimer, I did work with this company probably about five years ago. It's in the UK, it's called Iconic Technologies. And they have over 30 patents to their name, I believe. And what they're working on is a process to actually use waste CO2 to make other products. And what their catalysts do is it bonds to CO2, so you can turn The waste into from what was made let's say manufacturing gym shoes into actually creating a mattress or any other kind of products using the plastics from it. So instead of just figuring out a way to take CO2 and not dump it back into the environment,
0: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: here's a way that we can recycle it. And that's certainly what they're trying to get their breakthrough product out on the market with.
0: I love that. You know, it's just taking a lot of times people think, oh, we're just going to have to completely reimagine our business model to be able to, you know, cope in in today's society. But not necessarily. It's just reimagining the processes and things that are already in place, looking at those a little bit differently, um, and just approaching those um, with a different frame of of mind about how they could uh, certainly be more efficient and certainly be more uh, environmentally friendly. I love it.
1: Absolutely. So, again, whether you're in fashion, whether you're in cars, automotive, whether you're in Clorox and paper goods, whether whatever it is that you may manufacture, medical devices, shoes, whatever it is, there are ways that you can environmentally do more good or, as we would say, do less bad without having to recreate everything.
0: That's right. I love it. Well, those are all great examples. Let's see if we can boil it down to the top three takeaways from this week's episode. Madeline, what do you have for next I'm going to go
1: with recycle, resell. So whether it's clothing, whether it's cars, take what you have, put them back into the economy, and recycle and resell them.
0: Great. And for me, the second one is reduce. Um, consumers have shown that they don't want or need to buy new all the time. So those of us who make those things don't have to make new all the time. There's certainly ways to rethink that part of it, particularly around clothing. Um, but also, uh, reduce, uh, energy usage from having to make new things all the time. So we talked about the automotive industry and how, um, the pre-owned, uh, market, uh, has really taken off. Uh, there's all sorts of ways to reduce, Uh, not only the products uh, and the footprint of the products, but the footprint of how you make those products or not. number
1: three is repurpose. So we are doing an alliteration here. And that can be with what goes into your products, such as we saw Allbirds do with its shirts and using crab shells. We're seeing it also with companies like Patagonia and the ingredients they use. When I say ingredients, we're not eating it, but what goes into their supply chain for making their products. And also repurposing. We talked about nudie jeans and how when their jeans were beyond salvageable, they turned them into rugs. Pepsi has taken their plastic packaging and worked with TerraCycle to turn it into benches. So repurpose what you have.
0: Fantastic. That's It is. And with that,
1: we are wrapping up this week's episode. So... Thank you. Uh, as always, your ideas are clearly welcome. Whether you want to email Smokesignals, tell us it on social. We love to hear what you're thinking. And before we go, Jason, what's the best show you saw this week?
0: Well, this week, uh, it was similar to last week. So last week was The Haunting at Bly Manor. The very first uh, series um, before that one, though, was The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, so I'm about halfway through that one. Um, you can see a theme developing right. here just I'll before Halloween. It. I'll
1: accept it.
0: All right. Fantastic. Well, again, uh, we appreciate all the comments and feedback. You can find out more at do less bad, uh, dot com, including downloading these uh, top three takeaways from this episode, as well as uh, our previous ones as well. Um, on next week's episode, we'll be talking all about culture. Um, things that we, uh, Madeline and I, have experienced ourselves, uh, stories that we've heard from others, um, and particularly the impact uh, the pandemic uh, and working from home have had uh, on culture as well. So we look forward uh, to that episode next week. Thanks again for joining us. Jenny, take us out. You've made it through another episode of Do Less Bad, that podcast about how companies can do less bad in order to do more good. Check us out at dolessbad.com. Until next time, stop fretting over doing more good and just do less bad.